Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode comes with a content warning and brushes up against topics that could be triggering for our audience. You'll find specific details in the show notes. Please take care when listening. Welcome back to WA Exposé, a podcast about local arts by local artists, proudly recording on Wajak Nungabuja. My guest today has been officially dubbed a cabaret legend, known for her musical theatre influence and signature drag-infused old Hollywood style. Cece DeSist is a live singing sparkly showgirl with an extensive background in the performing arts. Firmly trapped in the arts as a 14-year-old composer and fresh off another run of her debut solo production, Cece Desist's Extraordinary Playlist, I am honoured to be chatting with Cece. How are you? All those faces you were pulling just I then. know. <laughs> Half of my act is so physical and the, we're, we're on radio, so um, yeah. that's moot. It's just not going to translate, <laughs> but I'm having the best time watching it. I'm happy to be, happy to help. Love the sound of my own voice. So you had me at podcast. <laughs> <laughs> had you at you know, talking to a microphone for a long time about yourself. Oh, gee. Oh, how, whatever will I do? Yeah, okay. Yeah, sounds yes. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll get it rolling with the only question I have for you um, today, which is why music? Why music? Ah, yes. Um, as in why I chose it and... Um, why music? Yeah, I mean, where do you start? Um, my story with music probably starts uh I came from a musical family um my uh dad is a pianist my mum's a singer uh dad uh he helped establish the jazz course at WAPA in the 80s uh back when it was called the con short for the conservatory of music (laughs) um and uh my mum's a singer um has uh has taught and performed all around um, and so it usually instead of getting a babysitter, we would, uh, go to the gigs that they would play and I've been on stage whilst in the womb. So. Oh, really? I know. You were stuck there from the literal very beginning. I, I didn't have a chance. <laughs> the music, it's like the rhythm. It's going to get you. <laughs> Do you know what your, um, what your lovely mum was doing on stage? Do you have any idea what sort of music she was doing or performing? Does it have any... Um, Link to now? Oh, God. You know, it was so long ago, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> shockingly, I don't expect you to remember that time of your life. Um, I could safely say she would have been singing. Um, I know that she was in a, uh, a trio singing troupe called Jazz Divas. Mm. Um, but she also fronted a Divinals cover band at one point. So it could have been that. Um, she's done so many things. Uh, Theatre as well. Um, so it's really hard to pinpoint what it could have been, but either way, I ended up as camp as I am <laughs> as a result. Um, and, uh, music's just always been there. Um, yeah. for, uh, I have a brother as well, uh, um, Timothy Nelson. 
good job, good job. Yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> almost forgot. No, no, no. Um, uh, Tim Nelson, fantastic. Best big brother in the world um, and Australia's smartest songwriter, in my opinion. Um, and uh, he's currently in a project uh, called Indoor Fins. Um, that's yeah. very fun. <laughs> yeah, got to check them out, buddy. They are so good. So the pun so, names run in the family then? They do. That's that's dad's work. He's done well. Ah, okay. As, yes, that's, uh, dad is a, he's a punny guy. And uh, So when it came to naming your act, did you just have a big long list that you needed to run by dad first? Ah, uh, you, yeah. Oh, well, you'd think. Um, <laughs> I think I definitely <laughs> ran through a couple of ideas um, for Cece Desist uh, specifically. Uh, that, I, I didn't know how to name myself. I... I, I, I sort of took my cue from drag queens first. Of course, the yeah. Scene. So uh, I started thinking of pun names, but nothing was really like punny, but also kind of vintage. And I wanted that, I wanted it to be both of those things. Of course. Um, and then I guess looking into the burlesque world, I thought, oh, maybe I've got to French it up a bit or chuck the name of a fancy alcohol in there. Yeah, um, chuck a le somewhere there. Yeah, a le <laughs> just a little bit of this and that. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, unfortunately, a fireball was already taken. <laughs> no. Uh, but I don't remember the exact moment that I came up with Cece Desist. I think I was just hearing phrases and then trying to figure out how I could put Make a it name. Look like a name. Yeah. yeah. And then I heard someone say Cece and Desist on a TV show. And I went, huh, Cece Desist. <gasps> and immediately I went straight to the internet. Is this taken? Is it taken? And it Went and was like, where do I find this domain? May I please have it? It is mine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess um, uh, I got to that point of deciding to do CC Desist after years of doing various other musical projects to sort of um, go back to your question of why music. Look at you, yeah. reining yourself in. I don't even need to host this show. Oh, stop it. <laughs> it's hard to say when I started singing because I kind of was just like always humming a tune. Um, I was, I was a Delta Goodrum stan at about 11 or 12. Yeah. Okay. And I say was as if past tense. Let's be real. We, we Continue nev- to be. No one leaves the world of the Delta Goodrum stanship, <laughs> right? It's always there. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to be a, a piano singer, songwriter, mm. Delta Goodrum, Vanessa Carlton type. But that's hard. No, it is hard. It's so hard. It's hard enough when you're, when you're like fully you know, developed cognitively, let alone mm. when you are 12. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at 12, it seems like a feasible idea. Yes. I'm sure I could play the piano, which is a hard thing to do, and sing, which is also a hard thing to do. <laughs> and I could do both things and they could both have equal, like, space in my mind in any one moment. No, mm. no, I can't do that. I, I'm okay at it as long as I don't have to lift my head up to point my mouth into a microphone while playing piano. But if I can look at my fingers at the ah. same time. So if I'm, I guess no one can see me doing this, but if I'm hunched over like, I don't know, Shakespeare over his little pad of paper. Great reference. Writes, Everyone will remember this reference. I feel yes. like that's a visualisation that they can do for the kids at home. Yeah, well, it wasn't that long ago. Everyone will remember the imagery of Shakespeare hunched over a desk. Absolutely. It's fresh in their minds. There's yeah. photographic evidence. Of course, yes. Back then. And uh, if I could do that, I feel like I could do piano and sing at the same time. Um, uh, I can do enough to play chords while I sing. Like okay. three note chords. So yep. just triads yep. on both hands. Yeah. And then we're we just using the white keys. We're like, lovely. Oh, yeah, we've got a couple of black keys oh, in there. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, okay. I'm, I'm not 
too bad at piano. I know the very basics of forming chords. And That's way more than me. There you go. Oh, you could have fooled me. <laughs> That's my whole career. Could have fooled me. Yeah. <laughs> if I could have made that into a name. <laughs> I'm trying to think how you could make that a pun like could have. That's not a first name. No, it's not a first name. It's important if you're going to do a pun You've name. Have the first name has to be a real word, like it a has real to name. Be like a real name that I can call you backstage. Like I backstage, I could say, hey, Kuda, you know, yeah. like who is that? <laughs> it's nobody and she probably shouldn't be in there. No, <laughs> Kuda, what a shoulda. But there's the thing that, as you were saying, the thing that Delta, Goodrum and so many other incredible people who play the piano and sing at the same time is they also have to perform. So I was just putting two things in our brain. Now we have a third thing, which is the performance side of it, yes. which is something Cece is really well known oh. for. But if you added the piano in, suddenly you're doing the uh, Shakespearean hunch, yes. <laughs> you're not going to be able to give your lovely performance and no one will hear you because I the mic won't be facing you properly. I know. I, exactly. But 12-year-old Cece yes. could do this. Yes. Well, uh, she thought she could. Um, and I had a whole little binder portfolio of lyrics that I was writing with melodies in my head about relationships I'd never been in or experienced, <laughs> kisses I'd never had. Yeah. Um, breakups I was never going to go through, <laughs> but I, I wrote these with so much emotion. Usually I would use a primary school crush as my, uh, device and imagine all the, all the, uh, all the, what a relationship with them would be like, you know, professing my love and then being in the relationship and then the very dramatic breakup. And of course I never went there because I was 12 and weird, Yes, but so it's uh, just projecting a whole lot of stuff onto poor Robert, who's just uh, like, I didn't know that I did this. <laughs> <laughs> poor guy, I know. Like, um, I, uh, but I had a lot of fun at that time of my life because I, I guess I was young enough to, to, to go, cool, I don't have to work super hard. I've got a whole future ahead of me. I can experiment with a lot of things now. Which is kind of depressing to that's think about. Real, no, that's so nice. <laughs> that's so nice. I'm such a proponent. I'm like this person who sits there and goes like, we need to stop telling 15-year-olds to choose what they're going to do for the rest of their life at 15 Aww. and like pretending that there's only four options available to them at any one moment. Like I hate that idea. So it's so nice that you were in a space where you could be like, oh, I need to worry about that. I'm going to be a star. I wish I could say it was from a mentally healthy place. I think what it was was perpetual procrastination and knowing ah. that I had a lot of time to put things off because ah, okay. I was 12. There was a lot of time back then. Well, I mean, <laughs> I never... No time anymore. <laughs> there's no time. You're like, now I am 14 and it's all over. It's the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I had a lot of fun, uh, I guess experimenting out of things. I'd, I'd been gifted a Delta Goodrum uh, sheet music book uh, of like... Which is just a sheet music book with a picture of her face on the front. I mean, pretty much. Yeah, cool. just I her just songs. wanted to know if it was like... Well, it had her songs oh, from okay. Innocent Eyes. All right, so it wasn't like a blank book that you could write. Oh, no, but that would be cool. I would have oh. lived for that. Yes, do you remember that they used to make them for each uh, artist's album? Yes. Yes, and yeah. you could get them at music shops. So I got the one for Innocent Eyes, which was her uh, breakthrough album. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also had one for Mistaken Identity and Simple Plans, No Pads, No Helmets, Just Balls. Um, and there was an Australian Idol sheet music book, um, which I don't know why it was all just songs from other artists because it's Australian Idol. It's not Australian original songwriter. This is true. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. <laughs> and I, I was a, an avid Australian Idol fan at the time and I'm reading these, I'm looking through these song lists and I'm like, that wasn't on the show. 
that wasn't on the show. So I didn't know what the reason was. Oh, so you were doing that the same way I was looking through the MasterChef cookbook, being like, (laughs) I don't remember Poe ever making this dish on the television program. This is incorrect. Yes. Well, we are sticklers for authenticity. Yeah, but I couldn't watch watch music reality TV. Like, it would make me physically sick. Australian Idol in particular became my, like, my hyper-focus special interest yeah. at one point. I was obsessed. I had cutouts from magazines of anything Australian Idol related um, in, like, a scrapbook, my walls. Um, I loved Guy Sebastian. Yeah. <laughs> um, was it so big on Shannon Noll? Um, uh, uh, That's okay. I think only one of those names is one people remember now anyway. There you go, yes. I was a big Cosima DeFito fan. Interesting. Oh, mate, mate. I was... I've cried twice in my life, um, once when I was hit by a bus as a child and the second when Cosima DeFito had to forfeit the competition because she got nerds. I want to laugh, but I feel like... <laughs> oh, I did not get hit by a bus as a child. I'm sorry. I should... Oh, you were making that up? I'm sorry. I, I... Like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> now I need to ask about the bus. Oh, no. <laughs> it was the 99 going down to Fremantle. No, <laughs> no, no that, but that is the bus that I would take to school. What I, if I am the reason. No. <laughs> you drove the bus. It always has to be about me, don't you see? I've got to wrangle it right back to being like, and that, of course, was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, same, honestly. <laughs> but what if I didn't walk that day? Yes, exactly. But exactly. luckily I've, I've never been hit by a bus. And I'm sure we can safely say that um, the real CC has cried maybe a couple more times. Oh, ever so slightly, was, you know, yeah. a little dabbing of the tear ducts here and there. You know, a little bit corrosion. of, what is it? Is it glycerin or whatever that they put? Oh, the little t- the, the yeah. eye drops. Yes, yes. Always got those in the back pocket when I need a discount on something. You know. <laughs> Ooh, works wonders. Yes, I had these these sheet music books and I wasn't a great sheet music reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I would, every note I would have to go through the formula of every good Deserves fruit. Fruit. F. F. That one. Yeah. Or F A C C because face is the middle one. My I earn my entire memory system in my brain is just numeric devices and mm. nothing else. Yeah. No actual memories. Just no thoughts. Just dreams and numeric devices. Yeah, yes. I got a couple of those, and then just like relative, um, relative pitch. Like I don't have perfect pitch, mm. but I've got enough relative pitch because I'll be like, I've heard that note so many times in my life that I can tell you that it's a G. <laughs> But not because of anything musical, not because of anything talent related. I'm just like, yeah, I've just heard it a thousand times. Yes, that's exactly the same. Like at one point I was quite good at um, identifying pitches and keys, but it was entirely based on that. Yeah, relatively, Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that G is the starting note of Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. There we go, yeah. Um, F is the starting note of um, Still Into You by Paramore. Um, These are great references. Yes. There you go. Um, and then when I eventually had to learn about intervals, um, you've got your your perfect fifth, which is da da, which is just the start of the Universal theme song. Yeah. Da 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 da. Yeah. And then your um, major sixth is that uh, part in um, that song by the Police. Uh, the everywhere you go. Yeah. But um, there's this one part where it goes, "You'll see, you belong to me," and that you'll see. That's a that's a major six, and that's how I remember things. And this, we were talking about sheet music, weren't we? I'm so sorry. No, I I'm haven't sorry. let you finish one story. No, you're doing the right thing. I think that I, uh, I, I, I take a lot of detours. Uh, I think that that's what podcasting is. Oh, good. Being that I think this is only episode seven, we can define what ah. this, what podcasting is, and I'm Love sure it. that it's whatever we're doing right now. But yeah, you did get these sheet music oh. books. <laughs> Yes, and um, I wasn't so good at reading the actual dots on the page, mm. but they did. They they uh they were kind enough to recognise that the primary Delta Quadrant audience probably could appreciate 
just telling you what the actual cause was. So they would have that written above oh, the notes I love on the page. That. That's so good. And Very I sweet. but see, I think that there's still like a lot of validity validity. Validity? Mm. Yes. To <laughs> I'm not even gonna try again. To um being able to look at the page and be like, well it goes uppity uppity up, down and down, down, 100%. up down, down, up, down. Yeah, exactly. That's 100%. great. Thank you so much. I've learned the song. <laughs> I can do that much if you give me the key. Like yes, and then yeah, for sure. right. Mm. Um but the big not turning point, but one thing was really special about the book is that uh, I saw that they had these little these little boxes with a grid as kind of like the neck of a guitar. Ah. And we had a guitar nearby and I thought, what happens if I put my fingers where the dots are? Oh, that's a chord. And so I accidentally kind and of just like yeah. taught myself guitar. Like oh, no. Open chords, of course. <laughs> and Timothy, my lovely brother, Timothy, he had been gifted a guitar for his birthday or for Christmas. Um, and so uh, I started, you know, siblings usually go into the uh, siblings' bedroom to steal their clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just went to play his guitar. Yeah. And also steal some band shirts. Not steal. I'd give them back. Yeah, we But they them. fit. You yeah. know. I was a loose-fitting kind of gal, you know. <laughs> And um, eventually around this time, we're talking like, we're getting to about 2004, which 2004, 2005, I don't know if these are years that are specifically um, amazing for music objectively or if they are amazing for music to me because those are the years that I was in, particularly formative years such as 12 and 13. Yeah, yeah. 2004, um, I'm learning music and Green Day brings out American Idiot. Ooh. And on top of that, I start hanging out, hanging out with my cousin who um, gets me onto all this, I guess, uh, pop punk kind of music, uh, Green Day, Good Charlotte, uh, Simple Plan. Just, it timed perfectly with me learning to play guitar. Yeah. So I essentially... So did Delta Grudem just have to take a backseat then? She did a little bit, but I have um, an insane loyalty to a fault to things that are not people that know me. So I loved <laughs> yes. Delta so much that I had an entire wall of Delta posters. And even though, like, in reality, I was sort of shifting from Delta to the sort of the punk rock kind of yeah. music. Mm-hmm. Um I always felt guilty. So I kept that wall of Delta posters. In a shrine of being like, I'm sorry, I'll come back one day, I promise. <laughs> it was sort of like I had to like repent for my sins every time <laughs> like I had to listen to punk music. I'm sorry, Delta. Oh, no. <laughs> this hurts me more than it hurts you. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, over at Green Day. <laughs> right, exactly. And so all these things happening at once, I start learning guitar. Actually, uh, I must credit Timothy for teaching me. I, I started, I obviously learned the open chords out of a book and I thought, Okay, that's all there is to learning guitar is open chords. Then Timothy taught me power chords, um, ah. which um, are just uh, three strings, one's uh, uh, two frets apart. You yeah. point your fingers on one fret, your uh, ring and pinky finger are on the two frets. I'm trying to explain it w- without visuals. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm learning heaps. You were doing an air guitar in the corner with yeah. like this beautiful claw hand. Yeah, claw. It's claw hand, yeah. kind of like that. Um, at that time I had little hands because I was a little person. So my I couldn't reach to a power cord and it was really frustrating me. Um, and I think it also matters how much you do it and then you get some stretch to your hand. And when I was first able to do a power cord um, because I had I, I'd practiced enough, it was to a Green Day song. And I ended up teaching myself, uh, sorry, Timothy taught me power chords. And then I taught myself how to play with power chords because of a because of American Idiot. So it kind of went from there. At this stage, I'm probably like 13. 
Um, I'm befriending a lot of other musically minded uh, emo folk. Musically minded emo folk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, of the uh, the ripe year of 2005. Great. Um, and uh, I realize I want to be in a band, I want to play guitar and sing. That's really important to me. And so at about 13, um, I know there's, you know, a lot of people at 13 have probably got friends uh, and they all say, yeah, I've started a band with some friends. And they, it's really just implied that they've started a band, but no one has any instruments or has played together. Like, yeah, but they all want to scream with each other in somebody's garage. Sure. So that's a band. That's a band, yeah. Um, and, but at, at one point that actually ended up coming to fruition. Um, and so uh, I had eventually formed my first rock band. Uh, Love it. We were first called Noise and Kisses, which was named after a song by The Used. Uh, I think by this point I'm 14. Yeah. And I'm singing and on guitar. And then we renamed ourselves to Scared of Flying, which was named after a Kiss Chasey song. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to say what I started music and songwriting, but I usually say I've been playing in bands since I was 14. Yes. That's usually where I start saying that. Yeah, well, sorry, what, wh- where were we up to? Where were we up to? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going on this lovely oh. journey where you were going to dictate every year of your life from about 12 up till now. That's yeah. what I thought we were doing. I, I took a, a very this time. is your life. Uh, turn. That's fine. That's but that's like something. That's what some people do with this question, and that's like the really cool thing about oh. it is some people go like, "Well, why music is because I had no choice," and then it's like, "Oh, okay, I guess the show's over." But oh no, <laughs> no, it's great. I oh. think that it's really cool because there's like this very clear progression. There was always the like, Sonny, when you grow up, it's really important. You got to be a musician. There was nothing <laughs> like that. It was quite the opposite because my parents knew that um, the age of making money from music was coming to an end mm. um my dad used to uh, uh be the piano man at the hilton and that's oh, that's how he supported a family of four wow. um, on that income and you were able to do that at one point obviously times have changed um going out to see live music is less of uh i guess uh, a supply and demand kind of i don't really understand economics no, um but i know no. some words I always, I mean, I'm always the person who gripes not about being like, um, we're very willing to spend a lot of money with a capital L on something like Cirque du Soleil, for example, a a fantastic production, not crapping on them at all, but you'll happily give them $200 where you won't go see your locals play, um, for 10. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a very different landscape. Yeah, it's so your parents, they weren't obviously against you playing music, but they weren't sort of like, you know what, you need to pursue this forever. It's the best this, this, this career decision they, you'll ever make. They were definitely trying to persuade me into different directions at an early age. Yeah. Um, like dad would be driving me to my guitar lessons um, and he'd be in his car, he'd be driving and saying, what do you, what do you think about, you know, cooking? Are you any good at cooking? You could be a chef, you know, <laughs> or... um. Oh, you know, uh, engineering, that is, uh, that's, that's, that is a, a booming industry and you, they, it has so many meanings. You could make all kinds. I know you like to make things. You could, you could make this. And, and I'm just like, no, Dad, I'm going to be in a band and we're going to rock forever. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, for a long time, I was really, it was really important to me to be like an original artist and, uh, and I, at the same time, wanted that to be my mainstream of income. And yes. I think as a Venn diagram, those two ideas are, I mean, the, the slice, the little sliver of overlap is... <laughs> they're kissing, but it's not a passionate they're kiss. They're kissing, you know, but it's like, it, it's like 
you know, distant cousins. Yeah. When when I had to kiss on the cheek at a wedding. Oh, know. okay. It's, it's like uh, I was a bit worried about where you were going. They're distant cousins um, kissing. Isn't this interesting? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I was young. I needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to leave mm. it with uh, distant cousins for just one moment. But when we yes. come back, I really want to talk about how you went from this incredible emo punk vibe mm. into the cabaret legend that we see today. Oh, yes. So we'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, and we are back. Okay, where we left off, you were rocking out this band. Your dad was cautiously optimistic, <laughs> loving the work that you were doing, but also being like, hey, this isn't the job that it used to be for me and your mom. It's unfortunately, oh, maybe you could cook. Maybe you could <laughs> do something else as well. And so you've got a lot of things battling. Your band at the time, is it still called Scared of Flying? Um, at, at 14, it was Scared of Flying. Um, and eventually that particular group disbanded. Um, and then later in high school, uh, I met some schoolmates in the class called Pop Band, mm. um, uh, pop short popular band um and we formed a new group and so we're at age 17 at this point um and that new group is called the main attraction and um that uh the the idea was it was meant to be hilarious because I expected we would be opening a lot of shows for a long time and Ah. so how hilarious would it be if we were called the main attraction Uh um so right (laughs) That's really good. Thanks. I love it. Oh, that shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, at at seventeen, um, uh, well, that's right. We had the um, there was a battle of the bands. Yes, <laughs> we had formed for a battle of the bands, like a um, high school battle of the bands. Yes, or, yeah, yeah. It was a uh, an interschool. Battle of the Bands. For anyone who's not fully across the <laughs> Battle of the Bands, it's very much like your inter-school sports Yay! where it's like you just got to fight each other yes. and then you go fight the other schools. Yep. Yes. Great. In, in the ring, uh, full contact, yeah. just punch him in the head. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and musically we did because we won. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. Yes. Were you doing original music? That was with original music. Um, so cool. We had two songs written at the time and one cover of Damn It by Blink-182. Yes. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Which, oh, I regret with every fibre of my being. But I'm sure so do Blink-182. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we won uh, our school's heat and then we won the overall um and that, uh, the prize of that was that we had a little EP uh, recorded uh, uh, for us of the, the two songs we entered with. Um, That's really cool. It That's was. Like a decent prize. It's cool. That's better than a lot of the 
A lot of like pubs and clubs are offering now as prizes. It's right. like here's a drink card, a pat on the back. They recorded music for you. How cool! Yeah, that was really cool. That's a great I, prize. That is really cool. And it wasn't like our EP where we like own it and it's got our artwork on it or anything. Like it had like the the bandstand logo, I think, on the front. Yeah. Um, but still, like we had a lot of copies to, like, you know out there yeah um and it meant we had something to work with and you actually had physical copies which is something that is almost impossible for musicians to release of their original stuff now well that's the thing i haven't done original music since physical copies was what you would do i don't know are they still doing physical copies at ep launches these days um i mean the ep launches that i have done (laughs) (laughs) no Because uh, after you weighed up the the cost of recording oh and then God. the cost of um, hiring a venue to have an EP launch, and suddenly then, then yeah, all the artwork and then you had to like have supporting acts and everything. And then I was like, ah, and you're gonna produce these. Then I've got to cool. yeah. And at that point, as well, like for me, I was like, look, mate, it's hard enough for me to see my own face on this cover, let alone print it out and hand it to people. That's something I don't want. <laughs> something I don't want to do. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so I, I mean, I'm sure there are people. Um, yeah. Who are doing it? And maybe for I know that for album actual albums they are, but not really EPs. I'm not seeing it as much in the uh, Perth scene at yeah. least. Well, I'm probably wrong. I mean, I I I would be the wrong person to ask as well. But last I checked, um, the like vi- the vinyl record industry mm. is actually outselling the physical CD industry. Yeah. Um, I don't know if industry is the right word, but they are outselling physical CDs like. Uh, in general, like yeah, because if you, you're buying wide. it for the art more than you're yeah. buying it for the content, because the content, let's be real, the content you're listening to it on your phone, yes, or, or yep. you know through whatever like streaming platform, whatever you have the song on, great, exactly. You're not actually being like, oh, I have a CD player. I don't even have a CD player in my own house. I have a record yes, player. Exactly. I have a record player. I have a record player. Um, and I've got many a Bluetooth speaker. Yes, but I don't have a CD player in my no. home. After all these years, there is still incentive to purchase actual vinyl because yeah. um, the sound is exceptional and it's a collector's item as well. And even the vinyl player itself, like, um, still, like, looks really good as home decor yeah, as well. it, it is. It, it is. doubles it, to so many things. Like, you know what, I uh, I don't have to buy more furniture. Yeah. <laughs> just buy more music. Oh, you're okay. And maybe it's a very um, millennial thing too is to just be like, mm. Yeah, these were popular in the 80s. I wasn't even alive. <laughs> uh, it's vintage back in the late 1900s. <laughs> oh, that line makes me want to... Cry? Just, yeah. yeah, let's say cry. <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> oh, yes, because this is PG-friendly. No, it's good. You can say whatever you... I feel like that started really it. sad it's and right. then went really happy. <laughs> yeah, I'll, um, I'll start taking a note for all the content warnings you want me to put in. Oh, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, no. so please keep going. Oh, you're so sweet. Now, where are we up to? Vinyl and... Oh, oh a CD your battle pressed. Of, yeah, CD pressed of your beautiful EP that you did at the Battle of the Bandy. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, at that point, we were a trio. We then expanded to a four-piece and um, uh, we started, I guess, getting involved in... Uh, do you remember YMCA HQ in Leaderville? Um, oh, vaguely. Yeah. It's... um. There was a huge, like, uh, scene around uh, local bands. Uh, it was very... Um, I guess, I don't know if clicky, you know, I mean, it was pretty clicky, but um, very, very much, I guess, when you hear the word scene, like I usually hate that word, but that's what you would describe it as. There was a big scene around yeah. local bands playing HQ. That was the place to be, usually because they were too young to play amps. Yes. If it wasn't amps, it was HQ. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, it had a, a cult of personality about it. If that, I don't yes. know, maybe that's not the right, because it's an animal. 
No, you know what? <laughs> I think that that the, that the people make the place yes. have. It's like almost like the place has a feeling. It's like yes. places can't have a feeling, but it exactly. does. Absolutely. So we started getting involved in um, that sort of side of things and a lot of the bands that played there. Um, and, yeah, at that time there wasn't – there was very few uh, women in the bands around that time. And at this point I'm still 17. Yeah. And but we're uh, not talking about a time that was that long ago. Well, that's also true. Like, and that's not just me complimenting you. I mean like oh. – <laughs> Well, <laughs> we are not talking about a time that was ages ago for us to still be like, and there weren't heaps of women around for me to look up to. Yeah, and there's still not that many right now. I yeah. guess. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's changed. I, we it's all end up looking up to our peers, which is very, very yes. difficult. You're like, wow, you're such an inspiration. They look back at you and be like, I am one year older than you, and I do not want that <laughs> responsibility. <laughs> well, at that time, like, fortunately, I just looked up to whoever I liked, and um, I was lucky enough that I wasn't bound by too many gender roles uh, that if I looked up to someone I liked them, I had no problem uh, aspiring to do whatever they were doing. Um, And so I looked up to Billy Joe Armstrong for a very long time and I I want to do exactly what he's doing. I want to play guitar and wear eyeliner. Yeah. Um, And there you go. That's it. And so I just (laughs) did it. Um, But any time that I saw a woman doing the same thing, it would immediately grab my attention Mm. and I would be like, oh my God, okay, I need to know everything about this person. That's why I I had such a big thing. Did you you ever listen to the the Donners at any point? Yes, of course. I was big into the Donners Mm -hmm. um, because it was so – it wasn't just so few women in music, but so few women instrumentalists. Yes. Um, And you do all the jobs. Well, yeah, exactly. And it really, like, it really mattered to me to see someone – to see – women instrumentalists as well as women singers. Um, And unfortunately uh, at that time and probably still now, um, being a woman in that uh, realm was kind of seen as a gimmick. So uh, when Paramore were really shooting, like, sorry, I nearly said when Paramore were shooting up as if they were doing heroin. (laughs) What I meant is when they were really booming. (laughs) Yes, yeah. They were shooting up in everybody's minds and on the charts and stuff. Yeah, exactly, you know. Um, So is it because of your, because you were like, I'm going to look up to you and I'm not going to consider gender roles and stuff, is that what made you go like, oh, I can look to drag queens and I can look to drag superstars because why why not? Of course I can. Drag was um, actually... Kind of around this time that I first discovered my admiration for drag queens. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, because I was seventeen, and it went to my uh, I went to my first Pride parade. It was on Halloween in two thousand nine, and I because it was Halloween, I dressed up as Pikachu, and I went yes. out with my friend Ali and Venus, and uh, we stood there. Um, and watched that. Of course, I was dressed as Pikachu on a very busy night out. Were you, like, actually dressed as Pikachu or were you wearing a Pikachu onesie? Oh, baby, we don't do onesies in this house. Good, okay. Lazy- well, then oh, just sorry. We've got to check. <laughs> I'm very passionate about how lazy onesies are. Not because, like, they're comfortable, but because that is not a costume, Diana. Yes. So, um, but we're I, – I was genuinely dressed as Pikachu. Wonderful. You want a picture. I love that visual much more than I love the onesie visual. There you go. There we go. But I sewed my own little ears and put hair clips on them. Oh. I made my own tail with like I bent, I undid a coat hanger to make it stand upright. Yeah. And stuff the wiring inside. I love it. And then I just like I wore, I got a plain yellow shirt from JJ's and used fabric paint to make little brown stripes on the mm. back. It, capital M made a costume. I mean, basically. That's so cool. I mean, I I was doing drag before I even got to meet the drag queens there that we go. night. You know, so <laughs> dress is this adorable. Pig Pikachu at your first ever Pride. Yes. And that's like where you see 
Though, well, yeah, fortunately, um, I was with Ali, who uh, already knew the drag queens. Uh, and so Ali introduces me to this beautiful specimen who's just gorgeous, flawlessly made over, so colourful, so beautiful, named Ruby Jules. Mm. I, I'm guessing you're aware of Ruby Jules' work. I feel like it would be illegal if I wasn't. How could you not be aware of Ruby Jules' work? If you're not, then just Google. And that was the – I was 17, I met her, and she was so beautiful – and obviously she told me I was stunning and, I mean, I'm very susceptible to compliments. So, um, so you went to absolute water. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone told me I'm pretty. That's it. I love drag queens now. Yeah. But mainly the most important thing was that it was the first time I'd ever seen femininity that was not through the straight male gaze. It oh, was such a celebration yes. of colours and glamour and makeup and hyper-femininity, um, particularly unconventional hyper-femininity. Yes. And... Up until that point, anytime I wanted to, I guess, play with uh, colours, with makeup, my hair, I'd always thought, oh, it's a shame that boys don't like that. And so then I would oh, hold back. Yeah. But this was the first time I'd seen, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm I'm guessing that, you know, the, the typical gender-swapped drag queen is probably not dressing as a drag queen in order to attract a mate. Like, they do it for, like, that's not... I mean, it's probably not the sole purpose. It's <laughs> yeah, I'm sexy, but I'm sexy because I said I'm sexy. Yeah, exactly. And it it's not about matter what you thought of it because I told you I am, and that's the end of the discussion. <laughs> exactly. The like the point of it uh, is is not necessarily to get the approval of a, a straight male. It's, oh, definitely. Okay, yeah. we can agree. Yes, 100. Yes. percent So that's kind of where I was going with yes. that. I no, don't know if I worded yeah. it right. Oh, it doesn't even matter. Whereas I'd only seen femininity. Before then, take the form of, okay, well, guys like this and you don't want to be too much and you want to still, like, hold back a little. Like, you don't want to be more present than they are. Like, it was very dulled. Yeah. Not dull as in a negative, but it was, you know. You dimmed dull. the lights. Yeah, it's yeah. About, about dimming the lights. And it it was just, it was really special to me to see, like, I, I guess up until then femininity had been uh, something that I saw as, lesser, embarrassing, yep. you know, I was young and that's all I've been taught. Yep. And the current wave of, I guess, feminism and women's rights issues hadn't been introduced to me yet. Um, oh, of course not. We're talking pre-2013 Tumblr. Yeah. So. So, oh, my God. So you were, like, still sitting there with the internalised misogyny and without even the label to say that it's that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I didn't know what the words were that were happening in my head, but mm -hmm. it changed my life. And uh, I watched the rest of the parade and it was – I, I hadn't seen that much, like, love and colour mm. in a long time. Um, and so as soon as I got home, the first I – was, I was too young to get into any of the after parties, so I had to go home. <laughs> um, so yeah. I went home and I got all of the makeup I could find of my makeup, mum's makeup, and I just started painting, like – I think I did this, like, kiss-inspired, like, graphic eyeliner thing – um, and I tried to add some, like, neon fluoro colours. Like, it, it wasn't perfect. I'm sure it was a mess, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a lot of fun. Yeah. And I was like, I, I think at the time my my understanding of drag was very limited. Yeah. So what I said to my mum is probably not what you would say today. But um, at the time, at 17 in 2009, I said, Mum, I, I wish I was a boy so I could dress up as a woman. <laughs> Which uh, I wouldn't. Little baby CC. Yeah. Yes. Now, obviously, that's not, you know, that's outdated language. Of course, but you yeah. were a child. Yes. And, and this is the language that you had at the time. Yeah. And you had limited language. We, like, we are blessed, blessed 
that's a bad word too. We are we are very very privileged now to have access to a much wider vocabulary than yes. we did then. So I think that what you're saying is adorable and kind of heartbreaking. I, it's it comes after the original music of uh, the main attraction disbands. I do another original project called Roswell, um, and that we didn't disband as much as I just kind of abandoned it I feel yeah. bad it was I I was running out of money and I had undiagnosed ADHD at this point yeah um it's important to note I have ADHD which means I've had it my whole life but I only yes. found out about it last year oh wow so, okay so this is a, like suddenly ticking some boxes in your life yes and yeah. if you're wondering why um how I got to this part of the conversation has been so like convoluted and sporadic um it's because I didn't know I had that in my head yeah. <laughs> um and so uh I had to dealing with all that and like the the stress of the fact original music is expensive it's so expensive you're running at a loss yeah unless you get the time and space right uh, space and time continuum whatever in that you happen to be in the right place in the right time someone picks you up and you get a, like, some sort of record deal yeah. and i'm in the i'm probably not in the right place and time for that to be happening no you know? we're not in the time zone yeah <laughs> not i on mean the right time and we're in perth to yeah. be honest that doesn't help either um, not that it can't happen. No, not at all, but it makes it, it does make it more difficult. And yeah. then you chuck 2020 on top of it and you go, oh, oh you know what, this, um, why, why did we do this? This. And yeah. a lot of it is also like, you know, networking and knowing the right people. And I'm not someone where that is my specialty. I am mm. like as charming and charismatic as I am. Yeah. Um, it's not everyone's flavor. Of course. <laughs> but also like we, are, there's a point where we go, well, this switches off. Yes. This turns off and suddenly I have no energy and yes. I'm a drained, drained cactus. Yeah. I'm like, where, how, there are people that are just not cactuses and they are people and I don't know how they're doing it. <laughs> like, it's, it is wild. And so that, I sort of, um, I, I just, I guess Roswell was, uh, uh, we're on, it, it's still on Bandcamp. If you want to listen to some, I gotta be honest, it's a pretty good pop punk. Yeah. Um, I was pretty, I was quite proud of that project because it was, um, I'd written basically everything. Yeah, um, that's and, huge. uh, I wasn't used to getting a, that much credit. So when we were putting up, putting together the lyric booklet, mm -hmm. um, the, the guys, it was their, um, it was their idea to say, Hey, um, are you crediting yourself as music and lyrics? And I said, I didn't know I'm allowed to do that. And you know, they're like, well, yeah, this is all your music. Like, like this is your project basically. So like, it was, it was really nice to have that, um, yeah. acknowledged. Um, Actually, no, Roswell does come into it because the reason I love drag is because of Jay Swenson. Do you okay. know Jay Swenson? Not personally. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> I love Jay Swenson. He's a great person. Okay. But um, I believe you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm very aggressively passionate about him being a great guy. Um, Jay, I believe, uh, played drums for uh, a band called Fame. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. so you know fame, mm. not the fame. No, uh, I know. As a, okay. Yes. There's a <laughs> yes. difference. Um, <laughs> uh, but they both have the same spelling. It's a whole thing. But anyway, um, Jay played drums for them. So just uh, if, you, uh, if you know fame, then that's, uh, then you may have become, a, you may have bumped into Jay Swenson at some point. Um, I say, I, I want to, uh, he inadvertently changed my life. We, he really? was Roswell's temporary drummer at one point. Yeah. He, he was, Perfect for the band um, and uh, just a wonderful, great guy. And at, at some rehearsals, he's talking about this show he's watching called RuPaul's Drag Race. And ah. I'm like, that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, what a great 
what a great idea. And so um, that's in my head. And then I'm going through, it was the first year that Eurovision was having Australia. Oh, yes, Kate Milhaki did it. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. And there was a, uh, I think, Triple J or whatever, some, might have been pedestrian, mm. some terrible news outlet, um, <laughs> put out an article about Australia's doing Eurovision, here's who we think would be great. Mm-hmm. I'm going down the list and then they mention Courtney Act. Yes. And I go, this relates back to my obsession with Australian Idol mm. because I go, oh, I haven't heard that name in a very long time. Yes. Um, I wonder what she's up to now. And so the oh. article links to a compilation of the best of Courtney Act on RuPaul's Drag Race. Right. And I freak out because I'm like, um, this is the show Jay was talking about and it looks amazing. Yes. And um, I have a personal link to it because it's my Courtney. Yeah. Exactly. And then if we want to take a brief little time travel detour back to when I was obsessed with Australian Idol, that was the first time I'd ever seen a drag queen was Courtney Act. Yeah. And I remember at the time I didn't understand that – um, this was uh, a gender swapped drag queen. Mm-hmm. I just thought Courtney was just like every other lady on the show, yes. uh, so to speak. Um, and so all of the jokes and innuendos that the judges were making at the time, I didn't understand them. Yeah. And I remember saying to my brother, like, I didn't get that joke. Like, what? What is that? Obviously, Tim and I watched everything together. Mm. You know, we would we had a, a set time after dinner to watch The Phantom Menace every yes. day. <laughs> so we watched a lot of things together, and Australian Idol was one of them. And I'd say, Tim, I didn't get that joke. I don't understand it. It's because she's a drag queen. I'm like, what is that? He goes, this, uh, you know, at the time, this is what yes. a child's limited understanding of a drag queen was. Yeah, so for a brother um, who's not much older and yeah. also has a limited understanding and a limited yeah. vocabulary. He was, probably, yeah. he was probably 13. Yeah. And right. he goes, oh, that's when a man dresses up as a woman. Yeah. And I go, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. We can do what we want. What? Yeah. And so, so I, these are these are these amazing things that line up. So when you're creating this incredible character that we all know and love and is the cabaret legend now we have got like a Courtney Act section of the pie and we've got like <laughs> this beautiful pop punk princess we've got original music we've got all of these things I want to know when it happened oh I yes know, I want to know the <laughs> click I want to know the click I feel like I'm on tender hooks well Tell me. we are getting there girl because when we get to Courtney Act in this article and I see the the compilation of best of Courtney Act, mm. and I get to finally see this show that Jay Swenson was telling me about. I'm like, I have to watch every episode of what this is, and I want to start on the season that Courtney Act's on because, yes, of course, yeah, I already knew her, um, of her, and so I watch, and it's the best thing I've ever seen in my life, and that then became my hyperfixation special interest. <laughs> and we're talking. I probably started watching. I started on season six. And this is probably 2014, so just before season seven's about to air. And it's new to me, but it's where I'm getting all my dopamine from, yes. is this show. And um, I have a tendency where when I become really obsessed with a new topic, um, it's exciting because it's the first time I get to learn about it. So if it's something that's existed for a long time, that means I have so much history to learn. That's yes. a lot of reading I get yeah. to do. How lucky for me. Yeah. I did it when I first learned about, you know, punk music when I got into Green Day, mainly because everyone's like, oh, you like American Idiot? You don't even know what punk is. And I was 13, so it was really weird that these 20-year-olds were, like, talking about 13-year-olds like that. But I thought, I'll show you. I'm going to watch every punk documentary and I'm going to read every punk thing on Wikipedia and I'm going to learn all about punk. Yeah. And I did the same thing with drag. Um, so I was like, oh, wow, this new thing that's new to me that has a huge history. I've got so much to learn. That's a lot of reading to get done. And I love getting to do that. Um, so, uh, 
through uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, I'm really grateful that, um, obviously, RuPaul himself, quite problematic, but I do appreciate that um, he inserts a lot of important references into the show. Yes, definitely. Um, and pays a lot of homage to uh, Paris' burning. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, because of that, I'm, I decided that's I have to watch this. So I watched that, and that gave me a huge understanding. Um, at uh, so at this time, I'm basically learning uh, how to walk in heels, how to mm. sh- how to make my own costumes from this show. Yes. Um, so when you fast forward to when I get into cabaret, it's not because I took any particular like cabaret or burlesque classes. It's kind of like because I went to the school of RuPaul, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> all of the things seem to have like, like I was saying, really like lined up to create this character for you yeah. um, just because – I mean, maybe maybe we can credit a bit of undiagnosed uh, ADD a oh, little bit there too, 100%. because you were able to hyperfixate to a point where it was like, I am going to the school, yes, and you cannot pull me out of this until I have learned absolutely everything. No, absolutely. Yeah. And at this point, you mentioned the undiagnosed ADHD. I'm like fully hyper focused on this, trying to do a university degree that I no longer care about. Yeah. So I think if I'd known about my ADHD earlier, mm-hmm. I would have known how to acknowledge that. I'm not giving my all to like a university degree. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a reason for that. You know, I don't have to punish myself by going to university. Yes, you know? of course. Yeah. Like, no, I have to do this. Been, I'm the problem. Um, yeah, yeah. Or at least I could have been medicated a lot earlier. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we, could, we could also acknowledge that. And I think that this is something um, femme people face a lot of the time where it's like, well, maybe I'm just not meant to be happy in my chosen field. Yeah. Like, oh, well, oh, no, that's not a thing. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like this area had a lot of love for femininity and there was um, – I won't I, – like, I obviously, I won't deny that there is still misogyny within, like, that of course, uh, community. Yes. Yeah. Um, especially with uh, LGBT uh, women and femmes mm-hmm. uh, who often uh, – I see my friends get, uh, get erased or uh, – uh, yeah, erased from their own community. Definitely, sometimes. yeah. Um, and so I went, definitely won't deny that. Um, however, where I was coming from, it was a huge boost of femininity praise yeah. and, uh, acceptance of, of women than what I was used to where I'd come from. Yes. Um, I say that while acknowledging both. Of course. Yeah. I mean, two, two things can be true simultaneously and you'd mm. come from a, a scene that was dominated by a uh, cishet men, mm-hmm. um, that, you literally had to turn around to and be like, I'll show you, I'll learn everything about punk that's ever been written because yeah. the original conception, misconception about you was that, oh, yeah, it's just some gimmick that this chick is doing. Yeah. So you had to combat that by learning everything, which is only something that femme people truly understand. Exactly. Yeah. And the reality is that um, I enjoy singing more than I enjoy playing guitar. I do like to play guitar, it's yeah. not, you know, but um, – I felt like I had to do so much, like a lot more. Um, like I felt like if I wasn't singing while playing a guitar, then no one would believe I wrote the songs. Right. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. And Ouch. that has happened even when I was playing the guitar. We played a show with um, a band that came from Melbourne um, and um, uh, we were talking to their singer. And the singer didn't even look me in the eye the entire time. And he's complimenting my guitarist on like great songs, man, you know, and – Fortunately, the guitarist said, well, that's all, that's all Kat. She wrote all that. And he kind of gave me a glance and then just like went back to talking to the guitarist. And it's a lot of that. Like yeah. the, like the best I could get is good for a girl. Like mm. we played Bridgetown with um, 
some another interstate band, uh, who we opened for, and um, like I won't lie, we were better than them. Um, like, yeah, like I'm not shocked. Not to like, <laughs> and um, uh, they they come up and they're talking to us after, and or they're talking to me, and they're like, "Oh, you're actually good." Let's see, actually. Oh. And then he turns to his other band members like, "How does it feel that she's a better guitarist than you are, mate?" And I wish that I'd said, "Why wouldn't I be?" Like. Yeah. Could you elaborate on that, please? Like, why yeah. would I not be? And that's, yeah. But also, like, we also remind ourselves that we are talking to a very, very young woman. Yes. Like, this is a, this is somebody who's still figuring out who she is. So the idea that you have to be like, and I have the perfect comeback for this moment right now. Like, why? Yeah. Like, se- what, 17, 18 years old? And you're supposed to just be like, ah, here we go. I can fight you right now. Because, no, you can't. Exactly. And spending so much of my formative years in, like, uh, straight men spaces. Yes. Um, where I'm not really respected unless I'm the one of the two F's, which is family or fuckable. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. you are. Mm-hmm. And I was valued most when I was young and uh, looked a certain way. And, yeah, it was very, yeah, it's it, it, exactly. Like, yeah. why wouldn't I be better at guitar? Like, why, they why weren't doing yes, much. <laughs> like, But the bar is set so low for men in music and so high for women in music. Yes. I always say that if you listen to ACDC and if you'd found out if it turned out this whole time that their drummer was a woman, mm. she wouldn't hear the end of it. But yeah. no one really, like, because there's nothing wrong with ACDC's drummer. Just like there's nothing wrong with Meg White. But as soon as, you, yes. as soon as people learn that Meg White's a woman, oh, she doesn't do anything. Oh, all she does is oh, she has this rhythm. Okay, well. Yeah, well it's like 75% of this, so. And it's hard, yes. and it's a very hard thing to get right. Exactly. She plays for the genre. What do you want? But if you listen, go back to listen to ACDC. The drumming in that isn't particularly special. But no one notices, no one bats an eye because he's a guy. But if that were a woman, she wouldn't hear the end of it. Yeah. The bar is set so low for men. They can get away so much. Yeah. Um, but there's a microscope on our fingers on the fretboard of, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, she, but she's miming it. Well, it's she, not even real. Yeah, yeah. If it's good, then someone else is responsible for it. If it's mm-hmm. bad, it's because we're a woman. Um, and even, and, and to, like, there, there are good guys in the scene we don't um, have to acknowledge them. We know they exist. I know. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is they have to acknowledge that they do benefit from that system. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. Um, and so I'm coming into from that mm. into my interesting drag. At this point, I'm at a I'm at I'm at Walker at this point. Yeah. Um, and um a formal apology to um anyone who was friends with me at Walker. <laughs> because at this time I had undiagnosed ADHD and just discovered my new hyperfixation and special interest, which was drag queens. And I didn't stop talking about it the whole time. And it, I, I, I look back and I'm like, oh, my God. Which oh was my. actively fighting against a contemporary music degree. Yes, yeah. which I loved the music part of that degree. But yes. when it came to the um, – because it was a music education degree. Mm. So when it came to having to learn the education stuff and going out of my first crack, um, I was scarred for life. <laughs> and um, – I panic changed degrees yeah. uh, after that into what I thought would be better psychology. It wasn't. Oh, okay. um, it was kind of a panic, like, I have to leave. I only have so much time. I'm in my mid-20s. There's no time. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I regret now. Uh, discovering that I love drag queens. I also love singing. And at this point, um, I have that interest in drag queens. Maybe I've left it too late because a lot of people who are in this area are a lot younger and have been doing this for a lot longer so um but that took uh, an interest and but then I wanted to you know the great thing about you know drag burlesque cabaret it's it's Mm self-produced um and I was drawn to that for the same reasons I was drawn to drag which were the same reasons I was drawn to punk which is that it's 
it's DIY ethics rooted in counterculture. And yes, 100%. Yes. And so I found myself wanting to do drag uh, in some capacity while recognising that I don't know if it's right for me to do drag. You know, there's that yep. whole conversation, um, which is why I've always described myself as a cabaret entertainer uh, who does drag makeup. Yeah. Um, I I don't always label myself a drag queen, but yeah. other drag queens uh, have been very uh, happy to call me a drag queen. Mm. Um, and I've been told I fall under the category of all the things that a drag queen would do. Yeah. Um, I think it's all about whatever labels make you feel the most comfortable in that yeah. moment too. And that's what's so great about labels is that you can change them as you discover more about yourself too, is yes. you can be like, you yeah. know, for right now, I am a cabaret performer inspired by drag. Yes. And, you know, next week you may be like, fuck that idea. I'm a drag <laughs> queen and I sing fun songs. And then that might change again. And that is, that's so totally fine. And it probably yeah. will change again because I've never stuck to a five-year plan, as you can hear, <laughs> see from this entire episode. Yeah. Like nothing is – I've never done anything for long enough. Like with the bands, we do one EP and I go, okay, I've done that. Can I do something else now? Yeah. Like I don't continue on the same project. I go, oh, I did that. You yeah. Know, I, I just – you're, you know. you're a collector. You're a collector. Yes. You're collecting experiences, memories and stories. Exactly. And I, love, I love it. I feel like I've, I've done that. I want to do something else now rather than stay on the same project. So I – I, I can't guarantee that CC to Sister will be around for a, a long time, certainly a good time. Yeah, most certainly. Yeah. So I think that this is the perfect moment to really drive home that if CC to Sister isn't going to be around for a long time, I implore people, if you have the opportunity, if you have to the take means, my gigs. then <laughs> to steal her work because she's not sticking around. No, to go and see this incredible person perform and do her thing because she might get hyperfixated on something else yeah. next week. Um, can you tell all of the lovely people where to find you and assume that I won't be posting this for a million years? So that's don't okay. tell us when your gigs are. I'm so bad at editing. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, baby, that's a problem. Look, you can find me, fortunately, when I, um, ha- hold dibs on all of my social media handles. Yeah. Um, so it's very easy to find me. It's at CC Desist, spelled C-E-C-E-D-E-S-I-S-T on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yep. And TikTok. Wow. Yes, I'm on there. You know, that's doing all right. And your website is? My website is www.ccdesist.com on the internet. Fantastic. Oh, Ooh. so easy. Make sure that you follow and YouTube on everywhere. Oh, and YouTube too as well. Yeah. There are some incredible videos on there. Thank you. Um, and you're also, I mean, we never even got the chance to get into it, but also a stylist and mm. all of the, ticks every single box under the sun. So follow CC on the current hyperfixation, which is her incredible cabaret career. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you. so much fun. Thank you, Aria. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Expose. All right, this is my standard Brooklyn accent with, with no characterization but yeah i'm still sounding quite low it's very masculine why am i dropping my larynx just to do a Brooklyn accent even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.